0: Hi there, we're so glad you joined us to catch up on all things sustainable finance. Before we start the show, we wanted to share with you a new ebook from Sustainalytics Corporate Solutions called Getting Started with ESG, What Every Company Needs to Know. We know that creating a corporate ESG strategy to identify and manage ESG risks may seem daunting. but Companies big and small are doing it every day because they know that ESG risks are corporate risks. Our ebook offers a practical guide to help companies that are beginning their ESG journey. You'll learn about getting leadership buy-in, understanding your current ESG situation, and developing an effective ESG strategy. Visit the Resource Center at Sustainalytics.com to download your copy today. And now, on to the show.
1: back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month?
0: Yeah, hi Aditi, and and a big uh, welcome to all of our uh, listeners. And I should say, happy calendar new year and a happy Chinese new year. With the timings of recording and podcast releasing, we're not quite sure when people actually listen, and the timeline of New Year's. But happy both New Years to to anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast recently. Uh, but indeed, another really packed month in Jan, and a pretty hot start to the year. So just a few things which uh, which jumped out. A lot of articles talking about the great success of sustainable finance last year all aspects of the market were substantially increased. I won't go through and quote all the numbers. I think there's been enough sort of press about that. But hopefully this year, we really will see um, over a trillion dollars of at least the use of proceeds market, green, social, sustainability. We'll see sustainability-linked bonds. I think we are close to $100 last year, really rapidly grow. And really the remarkable thing, which has flown a little bit under the radar from all the numbers that I've seen from last year, is really the the three to 400% growth of the sustainability link bond market. So that was three or 400 billion last year. Again, a little bit tricky to get specific data on that, but that could eclipse green bonds um eventually. So lots of really good and positive momentum both on the link side, on the use of proceeds side um, as well. But plenty of market references on that. And when CBI Climate Bonds Initiative released their formal report on last year, we might pull apart those numbers a little bit more for our listeners. But lots of lots of really positive numbers um, there. What else have we uh, have we got here? A couple of interesting things. ASEAN launched a taxonomy, which um, we've been having a, a little bit of a look at, um, Korea and also Indonesia as well recently. So it seems to be a flavour of the last month or two in terms of more taxonomies. And I'm sure everyone's seen the multiple, multiple articles on uh, from an EU perspective on gas and nuclear. And look, it, it keeps sustainable finance and the news. It keeps it topical and it keeps the debate going on some of these things, which are a little bit judgment based at the end of the day. So yeah, it could be the big year for, uh, for more and more taxonomies. Um, another report that came out was the WEF risk report for 2022, which they look at the top 10 global risks uh, by severity. And we really noticed this last year um, when the World Economic Forum released this, a lot of the top 10 risks were climate, more so than ever. And again, it's repeated as well. Climate failure, extreme weather, biodiversity loss, environmental damage. Um, so interesting that they continue to dominate the risk agenda and obviously highlights the critical need for funding to go to address these uh, these risks um, as well. So Climate is well and truly on the agenda, both from an opportunity perspective and a a risk perspective from many organisations, which um, will hopefully support the growth in the market. An article that I really liked was from Bloomberg, bank fees for green debts surpass fossil fuels financing. I haven't got all the numbers in front of me, but wow, that's a real shift. Love to see these shifts, hear about these shifts. And that's a good thing if the banks are supporting more transactions in sustainable finance, that can only be a good thing. Uh, what else have we got here? In terms of ESG risk ratings, um, a lot more focus and, and discussion of those to the extent that they will be regulated. There was a lot of debates in the fourth quarter last year about the, the usefulness, uh, the robustness, and how those are used. And I think there's more and more articles about the pending regulation of those. And we welcome that. We think we've got a pretty robust rating that's well utilized and a very strong market position. So, So we welcome that. But lots of ongoing discussion about the use cases for ESG risk ratings, how they're constructed, how they're used and and how robust they are. So check that out for our listeners. A couple of things, more and more reports about the fashion industry. So maybe that's something I'm not overly expert um, about apart from sports shoes. I'm pretty up to date on those, but fashion, believe it or not, contributes about 2% of global GDP. And there's lots of different organizations that have come out with reports about decarbonization approaches right from growing raw materials and and cotton right through to production and use of dyes and water, um, scope three and transport and all those sorts of things. So fashion is gonna be a really big one that we've started to see recently come with um, sustainable finance transactions, Prada, um, Hugo Boss and others. So just just an interesting one. There's a great article in environmentalfinance.com, great service um, on impact accounting and impact accounting or impact weighted accounts So instead of just the normal way to account um, or or do accounting, the old profit and loss to try and change that to more of an impact type basis, certainly not an expert in it. But we've seen articles about this. be raised more and more. And to me, it's not necessarily about that specific issue. It's about the whole theme of impact. So we'll start to see impact quantified at a more sophisticated basis for sustainable finance post issuance reporting. We'll start to see issues probably come out with expectations on impact for their bonds or for their, their KPIs. So the whole theme of impact, great to see. And then different offshoots of that in terms of accounting and weighting accounts and, and more sophisticated reporting getting um, getting done. Um, I mentioned before the nuclear and gas debate rages on. We won't go into that more. We might talk about it next month or the following months once that's fully settled. But it looks as if both will get in. And there's pluses and minuses, obviously, for both of those, possibly nuclear on a limited innovative scale, a bit more likely to be included of aspects of sustainable finance. Um, and then the gas continues to be pretty challenging, although gas might work for a very short period. But if it's used for too long, it's, it's kind of a, a negative view on that would be a, um, a bridge to nowhere, so to speak. So anyway, pretty topical and emotive issues. So let's see where that fully, fully lands by the next podcast. Something that really jumped out to me as well, Aditi was from my country where I'm from, um, Australia, for those who can't work out my accent, so hopefully it's pretty obvious. Um, John Holland, an engineering company there, worked with, um, I think, NAB and HSBC to do a sustainability-linked bank guarantee. So it's great to see different instruments linking to sustainability. And as we know, if you actually look at the sustainability linked loan principles, it talks about contingent instruments in the first paragraph of those principles. So a really good development. And this year will definitely be where we see more linked structures connected to trade finance guarantees and different financial instruments, but really, really good to see that development. A couple of articles about COVID, Build Back Better. Let's see if sustainable finance is used to support maybe the building back or the stimulus part of that, if if it continues to linger in many countries. We saw a number of COVID-related social bonds be launched when COVID first hit a couple of years ago. And I've just seen an inkling of different initiatives and different build-back betters and resilience around future pandemics. So let's see if if COVID or pandemic resilience, should we say, gets worked into sustainable finance uh, going more. Right, it's been, um, what else have we got on here? A huge month also for reports. So our friends at Climate Bonds Initiative, excellent, excellent reports on different aspects of the market, released a report on uh, Thailand infrastructure. So lots of ongoing work there and we continue to be pretty active in that market. The World Bank came out with an excellent report about... Striking the right note, key performance indicators for sovereign sustainability-linked bonds. And we've started to see a few of those, as mentioned in previous podcasts, but that's an excellent read, particularly for the, uh, the bankers and arrangers and underwriters looking at bonds. What's the best practice? A sovereign's a little bit different to a corporate, what you can use, what's best practice. Um, so definitely check um, check that out. In line with what I mentioned before about data centers, the IEA released a the potential of digital business models in the new energy economy. That's an absolute mouthful there, but this whole theme of digitization as an enabler for transition, as an enabler for green, um, in many, many industries getting highlighted. And it might be a little bit odd why the IEA or International Energy Agency would be talking about digitization. So an absolute key theme that'll keep growing this year from enabling perspective and last but not necessarily least the environmental finance came out with a green bond reporting report it sounds like there's too many names of reports in in that but um as i mentioned before the whole theme of impact i think will continue to grow the scrutiny on ambition for linked the scrutiny on use of proceeds and impact flowing from that i think is a good thing and that's a really good um report to to, to have a look. But I think we can broadly say look, there's a lot of, of improvement that can be made. The market continues to make good strides on that. Green may be a little bit easier than, than social, but um, certainly a long way to go. And Sustainalytics is actually developing a whole range of things connected to impact reports uh, for companies in general and then also for use of proceeds. So come and speak to us um, if anyone's struggling with how to quantify some aspects of their reporting. So, yeah, huge month, Aditi. So I'll take a breath and maybe ask you, on the green bond side, have we seen much action in the first sort of few weeks of 2022?
1: Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Nick. Great market roundup. And on the green side, yes, so the usual suspects... Uh, sovereign side, the activity continues to grow post COP26. Lots of issuances planned or in the pipeline. So Egypt is planning to issue its second sovereign sukuk within the last six months. Qatar and Cyprus are planning to launch green bonds. Denmark issued its first green bond to fund its uh, energy transition. Um, Then Uruguay is planning to launch its sovereign bond linked to climate targets. And Philippines also established a sustainable finance framework. So lots lots of Activity there again. Then uh, coming to banks, lots of activity. RCBC in Philippines, European Investment Bank. Both of them issued a climate awareness bond. European Investment Bank. The bond is aligned to EU taxonomy. So probably we can see more and more issuances guided by the EU taxonomy going forward. Then what else? Dansk Bank, Deutsche Bank, uh, Bank of Brazil, um, all of these established their frameworks. The SPOs for all these banks were provided by Sustainalytics. They're published on our website. So do go check them out. Saudi National Bank also debuted with a sustainable sukuk. And then CIMB Bank in Malaysia raised 500 million from its SDG bond. Development bank, wow, lots happening here. So Exim Bank in Korea issued green bonds. Exim Bank in India uh, is planning to raise ESG-themed funds. Again, SPOs for both of these were provided by Sustainalytics. Then there's Von Plata Development Bank in Bolivia. Again, SPO provided by Sustainalytics, published on our website. Do check it out. New development bank in Shanghai, they're issuing Panda bonds. And then the NRW development bank Germany developed its framework. So lots of activity that we see happening with um, with development banks. Coming to renewables, uh, we saw Dominican Republic issued its first green bond issuance from a power generation company, uh, which is EGE Haina, to finance the expansion of a wind farm. So it's really great to see growing interest in sustainability and green investments throughout Latin America. And then uh, Abu Dhabi solar firm, Suihan is looking to raise green bonds as well. On the renewables front in India, the, the Indian renewable company Renew Energy also raised green bonds recently through its Mauritian entity. And India, I mean, really poised to grow this year, Nick.
0: Great to hear. Great to hear. Yeah. We'll keep you busy, dt or the market will
1: keep you busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Lots of diversification, lots of planned issuances, not just connected to banks and renewables, which we've seen in the past, uh, but you know, issuances connected to hard-to-abate sectors. There's talk about investing in green hydrogen. Um, we saw a port company, JSW Infra, that recently raised a $400 million bond. And then um, you know, government-connected entities as well. So Indian Railway Finance Corporation raised uh, $500 million dollars through a green offshore bond. So we can really expect to see a lot more diversification, a lot more activity from India this year. So yes, uh,
0: lots of opportunities for us.
1: Yeah, going back to you, Nick, how about social bonds, social loans, anything labelled in its own right this month?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. And as we know, the shift in the market um, has been a bit more on the broader sustainability label for use of proceeds. So not as much getting issued on the social in its own right, but there certainly has been a couple of things. So we continue to see um, some of the banks, um, Banco de Brazil, um, one of the Spanish banks as well, Caixa Bank. I'm sure I've massacred that name, so I apologise for folks at that bank. Continuing the theme we saw last year of dedicated um, social only for things like SME financing, uh, for things like affordable housing, employment generation, microfinance, those type of things from the uh, from the bank. And we also saw changed lending. So again, a lot of um, sometimes MBFI or slightly different types of lenders pretty active around affordable housing in the US. So they um, did a social bond and also Cades, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong as well, the French social agency, which has gone to market in a very uh, significant manner previously. also another six billion issuance. so pretty significant there and, and very well oversubscribed for a variety of things. So yeah I guess on the on the direct labeled side, some, some banks just funding that part of their book, a couple of the different types of lenders and then the, uh, the government connected entity. So that, that seemed to be sort of the, the flavor so to speak, of that month. What about diving back to green loans, Didi? Within all the activity we've seen, was um, was there much? And sometimes, I guess the green loans are not as well publicised in the market. But what um, what jumped out on that that side of things?
1: Yeah, so green loans, most activity was on, again, concentrated on renewables. So LightSource BP signed a green financing package with six banks to fund the development of solar projects. Then there was EDP Renewables. They signed a green loan to finance a wind farm project in Poland. And then uh, in APAC, we had AMP Energy in Japan. They signed a green loan for constructing a solar power plant. So more activity on renewables, property, a little bit uh, activity picking up, which is good to see. Uh, so Haisan and, and HK, they raised a green loan to finance construction of green buildings in the Causeway Bay area. And then Coima, which is an Italian real estate investment trust, they signed a loan aligned to the EU taxonomy. So again, a bit more trend towards the alignment with EU taxonomy that We can probably expect to see more of an interesting loan to highlight probably would be in the industrial machinery segment. Uh, So this was uh, this is an engineering firm called Analog that signed a green loan to finance sustainable water management. So this is something interesting. And then I think the last one probably connected to sovereign. So Turkey signed a unique 1.2 billion euro green financing deal. So this was with Standard Chartered and three other export credit agency to fund the development of a railway line. So it's good to see more and more sovereign activity, both on the bonds and the loan side. So that's pretty much it when it comes to green loans. How about SLBs, Nick? Anything to highlight over the month?
0: Oh SLBs, I think I should um I should get you and Marika to cover this segment um, in future <laughs> in future months, Aditi. There's it's getting a it's getting a little bit longer, but fortunately this month not too long. I know last uh, last month we almost needed a, a new podcast just for SLBs, but yeah, absolutely some different types of issuances. So there was a a pretty emotive article actually written about um, something closer to your neck of the woods, Aditi, from JSW Infra. Uh, Infra in terms of a coal terminal there and whether it's appropriate for that type of business on top of, I guess, what we saw last year um, or even the year before, the the port of Newcastle, another coal terminal and the extent to which scope three is included or not included and whether those type of institutions have a robust enough plan to change from their current sort of business model. So that's one for people to look at and, and form a judgment of, but obviously things like scope three increasingly important in the market and then the underlying business model. If that's very uh, hard to abate, uh, high carbon intensity uh, or supporting something high like carbon intensity, how is that planning to change or adapt over time? So that was a, an interesting one to see. There was another one in the market we build, um, I believe on the Italian construction firm, um, scopes one and two an in intensity benchmark there, I should say, um, no scope three. Um, and again, still a real balance on that. For some industries it's absolutely critical, for others, let's say it's debatable, and then it's often a judgment call in terms of what percentage does your scope one and two cover of your overall one, two, and three? What's your strategy? What data you actually have? So, um, you know, a, a challenging issue for many uh, for many transactions. Um, an interesting one that we worked on too, Amaditi, um, was a company called ICG, which is a private equity company, and they use what's called a coverage approach for, um, as a private equity company, to have a target Um, about the number of entities or I should say investees in their portfolio that had their own individual science-based target initiative approved targets. That's a bit of a mouthful, um, but a coverage approach and an interesting one because science-based target initiative came out with an approach for private equity, um, I think earlier, actually towards the end of of last year. And good to see that being used in the market as a reference because private equity definitely much more interest in sustainable finance But obviously on um, looking at uh, at funds, sometimes we're not clear on what they have and what they don't have. So applying a different lens across that, um, in this case, a coverage approach. Sustainalytics worked on that. So when you're checking out uh, some of the deals that Aditi mentioned, also have a look at that one. Really, uh, really interesting. And we'll definitely see a lot more fund, uh, private equity structures and sponsors be much more active in sustainable finance going forward. Um, sell Next was also something that Sustainalytics worked on on the telco side. So do check that out. Again, on top of another whole bunch of telco issuances going from use of proceeds to more linked structures of more recent, uh, recent times. There was a SLB in the Swiss market, actually, for Expo Power, uh, which is a pure play and, and looking at generation, I should say capacity, I think, in that case. So that's another interesting one or facet of the market. Um, pure plays. What are the best targets to set around pure plays? Is it too much BAU? How do you show ambition if it's around key metrics that a company may just be at such the heart of their business? Bit of a judgment call on those ones, I think. But look, great to see further diversity in the in the market. Enel went to market again. I think they've updated their framework and target a few times, having issued in the original issuer, I think, for sustainability linked bonds. Um, and pretty good demand on those. We won't go too much into the targets on that one. And we also saw um, Zigo on the telco space go to market again around a scope one and two, and even including a scope three 50% reduction by 2025 against the 2018 baseline. So lots of telco, lots of IT, still pretty active in the market. Uh, Sanam as well, seemed to be the month, um, as I mentioned before, Enel going to market again, having done a mixture of, I think, transition bonds and linked before. Sanam, similar thing, had done transition bonds, um, went to market as well. Um, and KPI is looking at, at scope one reduction in emissions um, and scope two. So check that one out as well. Pretty robust underlying transition strategy backing that one. Another part of the Coca-Cola group on top of um, FEMSA in uh, in Mexico This one is Coca-Cola I, I believe in Turkey, if I'm not wrong. Um, So again, similar to what's been done before scope one and two, then looking at some recycling and other things. On that note, I should say the bottling, the beverage type of businesses, Central America Bottling Corporation, Sustainalytics worked on this one as well. um, And that looked at GHG reductions and also some juicing and and, and processing waste. Um, So that was a good one. We're also starting to see some green shoots, pardon the pun, I guess, on the chemical side of things. So if we've got any folks out there looking at chemicals type deals, I mean, chemicals, I think we've collectively only scratched the surface on them. And we would like to see much more activity on that. Last podcast of the podcast before we talked about Braschem, which was a chemical rider. We've seen Bayer and BASF some time back on the use of proceeds side. And now we're seeing a couple of newer issuances on the linked side. And this was for BIFA chemicals, um, scope one and two, and then some some recycling. And again, chemicals can be a real challenging industry in terms of feedstock, um, in terms of best trajectories, in terms of heavy reliance on fossil fuels. So I think we'll see more chemicals over the year, which is a good thing. Check out science-based targets sector piece on chemicals, which I think is still getting worked through. Um, And also Transition Pathway Initiative have some good information and a curve on chemicals. And also IEA that I mentioned before, International Energy Agency also has some pretty interesting information about chemicals and the types of things we can do to drive change for that on their website as well. So pretty action-packed month for sure.
1: Absolutely. So Nick, as per our usual segment, we'll take questions from our listeners this month and listeners do remember to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. So Nick, the first question we got this month was if a group framework can cover all the entities, is that possible?
0: Very good question, Aditi. And we've we've got this question for some reason over the last couple of months, multiple times from different banking partners and and companies we're speaking to. The short answer is yes. It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but basically if a group sets up a framework, the best practice is listing the entities that could issue from that group. Generally, it's probably a whole co or There's not too many parts of the group that would be issuing. Um, so I would say the answer is yes, best practice is to list those subsidiaries in there for, for clarity. But I would say the practical side of that is If you've got a conglomerate group where you've got, I don't know, airports, chemicals, oil and gas, property, you know, a whole range of things. It may not make sense to have a framework to cover all of those because some of them are more topical industries than others. So it may make sense to have a framework just covering uh, and mentioning very specific, uh, maybe one part of the group or even doing a separate framework for one significantly large subsidiary of a group to have it really focused about their strategy. What we do in an SPO, second party opinion, is we talk about alignment to the market. We also talk in section two about the risk management they have. And if you have 10 different industries, um, you might be looking at sustainability, commitment, sustainability, risk management, the E and the S and the G components of that. It'd be a pretty unruly opinion. It may actually cost a little bit more too. So technically, yes, Practically, you want to just consider, are uh, the different businesses getting included similar enough, or do they have a very different sustainability profile, which might stretch out the size of a framework and, uh, and an opinion? But um, good question for sure.
1: Thanks, Nick. That makes a lot of sense. The second question we got uh, from one of the listeners was, how do we sign off on transition and what's our approach?
0: Well, this is, a, uh, this is a good one. And I think it's, it's partly evolving, but I would say anyone that wants to have a look at our most recent work in this regard. So when we say transition, we're me- really meaning transition use of proceeds approach. So there's two really good examples of this uh, air liquid that we've signed off on, that's on our website um, or on the company's website. Also um, Japan Airlines, which we released last week or the week before. And the other one is C SPAN, uh, which had a transition approach. So, effectively, for transition, the difficulty is that there's no sort of principles that directly cover that. So, our approach is really to, to use something like the green bond or green loan principles and say, look, section two, section three, and section four are really the same in terms of what we would see or expect to see in a, in a framework, you know, tracking the money, uh, reporting. Uh, monitoring, selection of assets to go in there. The big difference is really on the use of proceeds. So whilst we might say something is broadly aligned to green, we're really saying that we're using a transition lens for the use of proceeds part. So we might not call that use of proceeds part directly green, we'll call it transition. So yeah, transition for us, still use of proceeds, signed off to um, green bond principles with a transition lens, mainly over that use of proceeds section. But have a look at those examples as good ways for the, for the wording uh, that takes care of that. And again, that's separate to our approach, which we've seen, or I should say the market, really using more SLLs, linked loans and linked bonds to take what may have previously been thought of to structure it under transition and a use of proceeds, the linked market sort of eating some of the grass, so to speak, of on the transition side. One other thing to mention too, whilst there's not market principles such as green loan, green bond principles for transition, CBI are developing some criteria for hard to abate sectors. And I think chemicals is coming up in the next few weeks. The other aspect is to rely on and use, which we do as an external reviewer from ICMA called the Transition Climate Finance Handbook. And that's more about strategy but that is definitely something that we include when the transition label is being used and also on a bond transaction when it's from a harder to a bait sector. So if we've got any listeners, uh, corporates or rangers, underwriters out there looking at wanting to assess how robust the strategy is, because once we talk about transition, once we talk about SLPs, we take a heavy heavier view on the overall strategy of a company and that ICMA um, document can be a really good way to, um, to look at things.
1: Great, thanks, Nick. Looking at sustainability-linked loans, another section. Um, any interesting loans to highlight or over the last month?
0: Yeah, probably a couple of things. I might not might not go into too much detail, but maybe just talk about um, talk about sectors. Damico um, on the shipping side looked at a at an SLL. We've seen a bit of interest from different forestry companies around the region, certainly in Asia, uh, recently. There's a finance company Che Lease from Taiwan around uh, around some KPIs um, structure, although we couldn't quite work out what that was in the from the public domain property. Um, Soma, a company in, in Mexico. So again, you know, we've seen a couple of the smaller financiers, um, and then shipping a bit of a mainstay property, a bit of a mainstay. Um, Burla Carbon, again from your neck of the woods, shall we say? Um, Aditi going to to market in a pretty significant transaction, looking at direct CO2, more circularity, and I think a, a rating used in that as well. We saw an interesting one from Sabah, which is Eastern Malaysia, around some SME lending for a uh, an institution there, Sabah Credit Corporation. So again, some of the smaller banks are starting to. To go into more linked formats. Um, we think it's really important to look at the performance of the underlying portfolio rather than just directionally where a portfolio is headed or both of those things. Where does that leave us? Retail. As we mentioned before, fashion, retail starting to grow. Um, Marks & Spencer, again, a bit of a broader retailer as well. Did a linked loan. Um, we're starting to see a bit more on the retail side. Uh, scope 3 actually included in that one. I um, did a transaction last year, and there was certainly a bit of uh, debate or uh, discussion in the market about uh, about Scope 3. Um, another telco, Cogeco, My God, I've probably butchered that name as well. Um, a Canadian telco with a science-based target uh, focused around uh, around GHGs. Also did a transaction. A rail-connected uh, company, I think of Doors and some other parts. Nor Bremsey, great name from... Uh, from Germany, did a transaction. And I won't go through these other ones in terms of the, the underlying KPIs, but we've seen deals from another shipbuilder, Finn Uh We saw Burberry again, that fashion theme. I think that might've even been the second foray into SLLs. We saw Haya on the manufacturing consumer product side. We saw UPL, again, an India, uh, India name around chemicals, picking up that chemical theme. Uh, we saw a tire company. Prometion in uh, in Italy. I'm sure I'm saying that one wrong as well. We've seen Bridgestone do some interesting things recently as well. On the window manufacturing side, Inwido, um, and I think that is a Swedish name. Again, a transaction focusing on reducing emissions because it's pretty intensive for some of that process. Um, an e-commerce company. Again, we're, we're starting to see a lot of transactions as I mentioned, that chemical theme and the IT theme. Uh, e-commerce transaction, we couldn't find out exactly what that was tied to. We think it's Around CO2 um, avoided and, and some recycling there. What else have we got? Sinex did a transaction focused on GHGs, um, renewables related to Terra Patris in Finland, and then also, I'm not even going to say that the next one, another supermarket which has an almost impossible name to say. So we'll just say some more action in the retail space.
1: Great, Nick. How about label products? Anything notable over the month?
0: Yeah, so really briefly on this one, I guess it's probably more the same products, but it's just where we're seeing those. So we saw some green deposits launched in Saudi, which is good to see. Some talk about different types of insurance connected to climate, whether that's catastrophe bonds or whether that's parametric insurance. Um, An insurance payout getting more linked to a, some sort of climate, you know, index or drought index or something like that. So interesting to see how sustainable finance can sort of hook and use into some of those things. Trade was mentioned in terms of some products, and then the sort of ongoing batches of solar loans, solar products, and, and those type of uh, type of things. So nothing particularly new, but more where that's showing up, and a little bit on that. Insurance site.
1: Great. And Nick, we spoke about transition earlier when we took one of the questions from the listeners. So, anything of particular note for transition?
0: We did. Um, not a huge amount yet. But what I would say is the Transition Pathway Initiative report on those other sectors. Check that out. Continues to be a lot of articles about hydrogen and the multifaceted colors of hydrogen and and green hydrogen, which is good to see. A little bit more discussion about the um, entrance of more mining companies into sustainable finance, which is good to see, particularly the ones supporting metals and commodities we need in a low carbon economy. Lots of articles about the different ways oil companies are approaching the changes and a few different commitments put forward. There was an excellent report from McKinsey put out, I think, in late Jan. It's about 200 plus pages, but very, very detailed on transition to net zero. So definitely check that out. A little bit of news on companies like um, Glencore and Green Metals, all the metals we need for that low carbon change. Uh, We also have seen greater interest in Japan. We'll talk next month about a particular second-party opinion we just released in early February for Japan Airlines, which is on our website but Japan is really becoming a bit of a hotbed for, for transition. A Steelmaker has also, uh, JFE has done something as well. And hopefully there'll be a few more as the government seeks to really support that. So Japan could actually become a, a really key reference market for different types of companies that have gone to market in transition format with very, very developed sets of use of proceeds and strategies. So uh, watch that space for sure.
1: Sure. And lastly, Nick, anything on countries or regulation? I know we've covered a lot of it already, but Probably anything to highlight?
0: Yeah, probably this month we won't delve into too much apart from there's just more news coming from more places connected to India. I guess there's an offshore center, you know, Mauritius, there's a bit of activity there. China continues to show a lot of activity. India, huge set of articles and an amount of interest, even a potential sovereign bond coming up. Um, As I mentioned, Japan, very, very supportive of transition. Greece even coming on the radar, talking about sustainable finance. Africa, LATAM, as you had mentioned As well, Aditi and then a couple of countries closer to us, Thailand and Philippines, continuing to come out with different types of initiatives. And there's also something on uh, the Caribbean, which we don't really hear much about. And again, I think that the key message on that is just the the diversification of product, but actually geographic as well. Uh, We could probably talk all day about some of those EU changes, but we won't uh, this time. So yeah, pretty active, lots happening in different geographies.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.